Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. It's Martin Luther King's celebrated birthday here in the United States. It's January 15th, 2024. Without getting too political, let me just point out uh, briefly that when Bayard Rustin goes to meet Dr. King at his house when Dr. King was young, right? Bayard encounters black men <laughs> around Dr. King's house and they are armed, right? It is Rustin who goes in, meets the young preacher and understand Dr. King has a past, right? Please research history. It's Rustin who goes in and convinces Dr. King that he needs to be nonviolent, right? I know we think there's some huge gap between Huey Newton, Bobby Seale, Elrich Cleaver, Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture in the 60s and Martin Luther King Jr. in the 50s, right? That gap, the gap between Malcolm and King isn't as big as you think, right? Rustin, um, obviously uh, an interesting figure, right? A gay man in the 1950s in America is really the person who brings Gandhi into the civil rights movement. Food for thought. Let's talk about this fight. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now the actual odds have posted and you the public are ahead of me on this fight. Right? I made a pre-fight video and I said, look, if this fight's not 12 rounds, then please disregard this video. Several of you in the comments section of that video said, Dwyer, it's 10 rounds. Right now the news has come out on this fight. Now the odds have come out on this fight. Right? You have pointed out that it is a 10 round fight. Folks, I've now been on Odds Checker. I've been to a number of online casinos. By the way, the line still hasn't fully settled. I'm going to mention some lines at my casino. Understand Odds Checker, as I make this video, does not have an over-under on this fight. We'll talk about the posted over-under I've seen. But understand, the 10 rounds changes everything. Because, quite frankly, at the end of 8 rounds, in his fight against Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou had the heavyweight title within his reach. Right? Had it within his reach. But like Conor McGregor before him, he found out that while he might be in great shape for most athletes, he was not in championship round shape for boxing. In my opinion, Francis Ngannou loses that fight to Tyson Fury because he lost the ninth round and he lost the tenth round. Right, that's the fight I saw. I know some of you believe that Nganu wins that first fight. Right, I believe one of the judges gave Nganu that fight against Tyson Fury. 
understand against Anthony Joshua, a guy who makes it to the later rounds against Vladimir Klitschko, who goes to full 12 against Joseph Parker, who we now understand is dangerous. We'll deal with that Joseph Parker, Zhili Zhang fight in a different video. A guy who went the full 12 in two different fights against Usyk, something Daniel Dubois was unable to do in his one fight against Usyk. I thought Joshua would have his way in the 10th, 11th, and 12th rounds against Ngannou. If I had to pick one outcome in this fight, it's Joshua to win by stoppage in the later rounds. But with the 10 rounds, folks, you don't get Joshua to win by stoppage in the 10th or 11th. Right, a 10-round fight changes a lot too because with a 12-round fight, Ngannou could land on Joshua like he did Fury, could knock Joshua down once, and Joshua could get off the canvas and think, okay, I have some time here. 10-round fight, he doesn't have that much time. Let me also point out too, we understand that Joshua comes from humble beginnings. Right? We understand that. But this is that rare fight where he's viewed as Goliath. Right? Understand my belief. It's Will Chamberlain's belief. No one roots for Goliath. When Goliath is winning, he thinks he has the crowd behind him. As we found out time and time again, the minute Goliath slips a little bit, 20% of the public is going to revolt against him. Right? The David in this fight is Francis Ngannou. If this fight is close, the politics of scoring, the politics of many people coming out and saying, hey, I thought Tyson Fury lost to Ngannou the first time, they're going to be in Ngannou's favor this time. So I believe Joshua privately knows he needs a stoppage here. He can leave no doubt. If the fight goes the distance, he needs to at least knock down Ngannou at least once. He needs to have Ngannou looking as overwhelmed as Derek Chisora looked in his last fight against Tyson Fury. Now let's talk about the actual odds. Right, folks? The hedge here is Ngannou plus 340 simply to win the fight. Those are the odds I saw in my casino I understand odds checker right now has some higher odds in some other places that have fewer options in my casino. Right? I've taken Nganu plus 340 simply to win. Now the hedge, which I believe is the real side of the play, it's the over, not the under. It's the over five and a half rounds. Right, folks, five and a half is simply too low and over under. Let's talk about two of Joshua's compatriots here. Alexander Usyk stops Chaz Witherspoon in the seventh round. Stops Tony Bellew in the eighth round. Stops Daniel Dubois in the ninth round. Right? Goes the distance with Joshua twice. Understand, all of those fights are over five and a half rounds. All of them.
Let's talk about Tyson Fury. Last fight goes 10 rounds against Ngannou. Fights Deontay Wilder three times, only gets a stoppage in the sixth round in one of the three matches. Right, first fight goes a distance. Last fight makes it to the 11th round. Right, the Dillian White fight. Fury gets a stoppage in the sixth round or so. Understand, five and a half is too low of an over-under. Let's talk about the risk involved too. By reputation, and that's what we have to go on. Because Nganu has only had 10 rounds of professional boxing experience. One fight. By reputation, Nganu is a big puncher. He's supposed to be a righty. The knockdown against Fury is a left hook. Right, folks? This is a fighter that warrants caution. Let's talk personality, too. Who is Anthony Joshua? Folks, in my favorites folder is a George Foreman fight. It's a successful title defense that Foreman had in Japan against a fighter named Roman, who is a back foot type. The announcer asked Foreman how he planned to do the fight, the TV guy. And Foreman told that TV guy, as the TV guy says during the fight, that he just wanted to get the knockout as quickly as possible. Right, folks, Foreman is going for the knockout in the first round. Joshua has first-round knockouts, but not like this. Right, Foreman's going for the knockout in the first round. He's all in. He's crashing the pocket, whatever the other guy does. He's crashing the pocket. He's throwing big shots with both hands. He pushes the other guy back. Just like he pushed back a slugger, Joe Fraser, to get the stoppage in that fight. Just like Lennox Lewis pushed back Mike Tyson years later to get the stoppage in that fight. Right, folks, Anthony Joshua strikes me as more cautious than Lennox Lewis or George Foreman. Right? He doesn't have, and I know both men, I know Foreman and Lewis, come across as very relaxed, conversational, calm, low-key type guys now. Both guys have a sense of humor. Right, Marcos Viejas has posted recently a great interview of Lewis where they asked Lewis who has an ego. But you have to prod him a little bit to hear the real Lennox Lewis. He asked Lewis about Canelo, right? Because Lewis flippantly says that there's a way to beat Canelo. And Lewis reveals the way he believes you beat Canelo. He said you beat Canelo with the Lennox Lewis jab. <laughs> then he talks, he looks at the camera and he talks about his jab, right? I don't believe Anthony Joshua thinks like those guys. I believe Joshua, by nature, is cautious, right? He's not a guy who's going to say, 
let's trade shots, which by the way is what Foreman does in one of Usyk's favorite fights. Foreman against Hall of Famer Dwight Cowie. Right? Foreman's trading shots. The calculus is, hey, he's going to diminish him, but I'm going to diminish him more. Right? I'll take his shots better than he'll take my shots. That's not Anthony Joshua. Right? I've seen Joshua open up early in a fight. It's against Dillian White, who has the same background, in a sense, that Joshua does. Right? They fought each other in the amateurs. They've known each other a long time. Dillian White's not afraid of Anthony Joshua, even though Joshua's bigger than him, even though Joshua's bigger than George Foreman. Right? Dillian White comes in, he's throwing a pretty good jab on Joshua. Joshua hurts White. Joshua then, out of character, opens his mouth, has a facial expression, starts pursuing White, has a facial expression where he wants White to know, player, I know I've hurt you. The gig is up. Stop bluffing. I'm here. I'm coming for you. Folks, you have to pull that Anthony Joshua out of him. Let's talk about what I believe is the personality of Francis Ngannou. There's still a question mark there, isn't there? Right? I saw him against Cyril Ghosn. Full disclosure, I bet on his opponent in that MMA match. Right? And Ngannou seemed to realize that Ghan is a higher level technician than him. Right? So there, he's just coming in with power shots. My interpretation of that MMA event. Right? Understand, we don't know how much of a puncher Ngannou is with his right hand yet in boxing. As I said earlier, he drops Tyson Fury off his left. Understand, too, Fury does a great amount of bluffing in that fight. Fury, who's dropped suddenly, to the point where Fury's legs come off the canvas when he's on the canvas, Fury gets up and bluffs. He doesn't stagger. Right? He gets up looking confident. Right? One wonders what would have happened had Fury gotten up and looked groggy. Had Fury gotten up and staggered a little bit, looked like he was affected by the punch, looked like he was suffering lingering effects. We were denied that in the first fight because Fury gets up and has that I'm ready to go look on his face. Right? I'm ready to continue in the fight. So we don't get the visual of Francis Ngannou running across the ring we don't have the opportunity to see the punch Francis Ngannou would throw against a diminished, staggering Tyson Fury. Now, Anthony Joshua is technical, right? He's very technical, right? This is a guy who wants to see you stagger before he shows you who he really is. Right? He's more of a sportsman, quite frankly. I know this is a hard line, but he's more of a sportsman than the Lennox Lewis who is holding Michael Grant behind his head.
repeatedly while hitting Grant in the face with power shots. Right? AJ's more of a spokesman than the sportsman, than the Arthur Baturbiev, who has a hurt Callum Smith in front of him. Guy who's never been down and decides to put him down with a rabbit punch. Folks, that's the fight I saw. I know many of you disagree with me. Right? A viewer here pointed out that Roy Jones got disqualified against Montel Griffin in a fight he was winning. Right? I'll leave it up to you on how that Baturbiev, Callum Smith ending should have been. Understand too, those of you who think that I'm sore because I didn't win a bet, no. Hey, that fight delivered for me. The under delivered. Know the odds. Right? I'm talking about boxing after collecting on the bet. Right? Anthony Joshua is a sportsman. He doesn't want to foul guys. He's not going to blatantly start pushing an opponent illegally, like Foreman did, Fraser, like Lewis did, Mike Tyson, to get the guy a few feet away from him so he can cuff the guy around. Foreman pushes Roman in the tape I have in my favorites folder here. So I believe this fight is going to take time to develop. Right? Even if Anthony Joshua senses that he has a hand speed advantage on Nganu, he's not going to decide, hey, the fight's ending this round. Like Lennox Lewis did against Andrew Galata. Folks, I'm naming the fights so you can look at them. Galata does not make it out of the first round. Right? I'm just telling you. Anthony Joshua is going to spend at least the first six minutes of this fight figuring out the lay of the land. Let's talk about the Otto Wallen fight. Joshua looked masterful in that fight. Right? Let's be clear on it. Wallen, a southpaw, had not gotten a knockout in his five previous fights. All of them went the distance. Let's figure out the math that Joshua with Ben Davidson came up with, and it was ingenious. Valen, southpaw. Joshua is leaning in the pocket, is throwing his right hand, right? He's throwing straight rights to Valen's body. He's leaving himself naked on the right side of his head. Valen, of course, is left-handed. One would imagine Valen throwing that left hand to the right side of Joshua's head as Joshua leaves himself naked in the pocket. But there's a catch. The catch is that Joshua, with the same motion, can throw right hands up top. Right? Understand, folks, the dynamic is completely different for the Nganu fight. Valen had to make a decision. Do I guess whether Joshua is throwing his straight right to my body or whether he's coming up top? Do I throw my dominant left hand knowing that I'm not a knockout puncher? 
to Joshua's head to try to take him out, right? Look at Lennox Lewis against Razor Ruddick, right? Ruddick starts throwing straight body shots to Lewis's body. Lewis ends the fight by hitting Ruddick in the head as he does so, right? Valen had to ask himself, do I throw left hands to try to stop Anthony Joshua, who's naked in the pocket, while risking Joshua throwing that right hand. Joshua's a blessed puncher, folks. One punch knockout power. If I throw my left hand and Joshua counters it with his right to my head, I'd be naked. Understand, with a righty, if Joshua comes in and fights the violent fight and throws straight right hands, his dominant hand, to Nganu's body, Nganu can park his non-dominant left hand by the side of his head to protect himself while still having use of his dominant right hand. Just think in terms of righty-lefty and work out how the violent fight evolved with Nganu, right? Let me point out too, Valen makes mistakes. He's up against the ropes against Joshua. As Joshua's going to his body, that's a mistake. Nganu now has the benefit of that fight film. We also have hints from the Tyson Fury fight that Valen is ambidextrous, right? He goes southpaw numerous times in that Tyson Fury fight. This is a different fight. I believe both guys are going to be cautious. I don't expect there to be a lot of action in the first two rounds. I'm not expecting Foreman Fraser. I'm not expecting Lewis, uh, name, name the fight, Lewis Galata or Lewis Michael Grant. I'm not expecting a shootout. This isn't going to be Nigel Ban against Aran Barkley. I'm expecting caution the first two to three rounds. The casino has given you a low over-under that Alexander Usyk could not fulfill in any of his last five fights. I believe that's a mistake. I believe Joshua, cautious by nature, is going to be mindful of Nganu's power from the opening bell. Nganu also has pretty good legs. In other words, Tyson Fury comes forward and got to move backward, right? He's going to be working off a cushion. Let me also point out, too, that a foreman had superior defense, right? Foreman could crash the pocket against heavy-handed guys, right? Ken Norton, Joe Fraser. Right? Foreman can crash the pocket or at least try to crash the pocket against heavy-handed guys. We understand the Rod Lyle fight got out of control. Right? We understand. Foreman has had his car crashes. Right? I would argue that Joshua's not defensively blessed. He's not defensively blessed enough to take the chances in the early rounds that a foreman or a Sonny Liston could take. To sum up, 
the fact that it's a 10-round fight and not a 12-round fight where Joshua would have a decided advantage in the last six minutes changes everything for me. The fact that the over-under is as low as it is changes things for me. I like the over, five and a half rounds. Hedged with Nganu simply to win. This way you get Joshua by decision. Right? This way you get the most likely outcome that I see happening. Joshua by late stoppage. Right? In round six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right? Let me say the second half of the sixth round. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Right? I believe Joshua will want the stoppage because he will want to differentiate himself from Tyson Fury. Right? He wants to do better than Tyson Fury did against Ngannou. And that Fury and Ngannou fight went the distance. I believe once Joshua figures out the lay of the land, he's a bolder fighter. But I don't expect Joshua to do so in the first five and a half rounds. I'm expecting both of these guys to be respectful to the other. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I understand this fight is going to have a lot of differences of opinion. I'll concede. Francis Ngannou only has 10 rounds of professional boxing experience. My point to you, though, is recognize a ringer when you see one. Right? Recognize that this righty drops the heavyweight champ with his left hand. We don't know how big that right hand is. We didn't see enough of it. Understand it's unusual to see anybody in their first professional fight suddenly go southpaw. Right? Understand too. I watched my share of MMA. I had Cyril Ghosn against Francis Ngannou. Right? I'm not sure if I talked about it here online. Um, I believe Ngannou sensed in that fight that while he was the better puncher, that Cyril was actually the higher level technician. And I thought the way Ngannou fought that fight showed restraint, then started throwing some huge shots. Right? I thought that showed a certain level of savvy. He might not be a professional boxer, or at least not a professional boxer with more than 10 rounds of boxing experience, but he's a fighter and he's very savvy. I believe he knows what he's up against. Joshua is a blessed puncher with both hands. Joshua has tools that you don't see in every fight. Right? I keep telling people some of the most riveting footage, and he didn't get the stoppage at that moment of the fight. Some of the most riveting Joshua footage is Joshua after he knocks down Vladimir Klitschko. I believe I made a video where it's one of the few videos where I spliced in fight film. Joshua with Vladimir Klitschko, badly hurt in front of him decides to throw a lot of left hooks. 
you don't even see Joshua throwing left hooks against people like Usyk. Right? You got the feeling Joshua has tools we haven't even seen. This is the guy with the big toolkit who's still learning how to use his tools. Right? It's riveting because, of course, he's already been a two-time heavyweight champion. He's already gone through some of the biggest trainers in the sport. Right? Robert Garcia. Uh, Derek James. McCracken. Right? And so I believe that Nganu knows fighting enough to understand that he needs to respect Joshua. Because Joshua, in addition to having more boxing experience, has certain things that show up on film. Right? I thought Joshua was losing. I'll just be blunt. I know I'm, I'm, I'm outside of the public narrative. I thought Joshua was losing to Alexander Povetkin. Just keeping it 100 here. Then Povetkin jumps in and Joshua throws a short punch. Right? We talk about Joe Lewis being a six-inch puncher. Folks, the punch he hits Povetkin with that changes life, that has Povetkin messed up in a way that we've never seen Povetkin messed up. And understand, this is a guy who got knocked down multiple times by Vladimir Klitschko. Right? Joshua hits him with a short punch, and you look at the punch and you say, well, how did Joshua generate that level of power in that short a punch? But what you don't see is a Joshua style. What is the Joshua style? Right? Lennox Lewis can talk about the Lennox Lewis jab. Right? George Foreman has a great jab mixed with an Archie Moore defense and full body hooks that he throws where he turns his entire body. You tell me, Joshua Nation, and it is Joshua Nation. He is the box office king of the heavyweight division. What's your guy's style? I've seen fights where he's flashed an effective jab. The Joseph Parker fight. Right? Joshua is throwing a jab that's actually pretty good. Right? The, um, the fight against the American three fights ago. Um, I thought Joshua is throwing a jab that looked pretty good, right? But it's not a signature jab, right? We can't say here before the Nganu fight whether Joshua is going to try to come in behind a jab, right? Joshua throwing right-hand power shots to Otto Wallen's body. Who saw that coming? Especially after he was fighting a fighter who just fought um, the Hellenius fight, right? And Joshua doesn't throw that punch against Hellenius. Granted, Hellenius is a righty, right? So Joshua doesn't have a signature style that a Foreman or a Lennox Lewis had, right? Joshua isn't the guy who enters the fight telling an announcer, yeah, I want to end this fight as soon as possible, and then is deep in the pocket trying to end the fight as soon as possible, throwing caution to the wind, right? So understand, there's mystery here on both sides of the aisle. Both of these guys need to be cautious. The public sees an over-under of five and a half rounds, the midway point of the six. I don't. I see a fight lingering. So I'm disappointed to hear that it's only a 10-round fight. 
I'm disappointed. To me, that increases the risk on the Joshua side of the eye. So I'm going to benefit from the over five and a half. But I need for everyone here to be clear on the risk involved. If either of these two punchers, Joshua, we know from his career, Nganu, by reputation, coming over from the MMA where he was a dominant puncher, if either of these blessed punchers gets a stoppage before the midway point of the sixth round, you lose it all. I like the over five and a half hedged with Nganu simply to win. You're getting something like a plus 340 there, right? Shop around. The lines are still forming. I would jump on the over five and a half before it creeps upward, before someone realizes that that's a standard that Usyk has not met in his last fights. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.